we could probably all agree. For relaxing times, let's not make it Corona times. But today's episode will largely be about Corona, but it's going to be a special one because we've got host emeritus Chris back on the show. So for those of you who don't know, Chris is the original host or the founder of Finding Japan. And uh, a few years ago, he graciously handed the baton of the show over to me. And I have, of course, intermittently uh, podcasted the show. But I'm excited to announce that we're back and we're doing a show together and it's a good one. So stay tuned, listen up, keep going on. Here we go. Chris, in these times, what's going on, man? Hey, how you doing? Doing good. Glad to be here, virtually. Yeah. yeah from, my, from my quarantine, I'm in my basement. You're in your basement. I'm in my room, as usual, uh, surrounded by my audio equipment, which I love. What have you been getting yeah, up to? It, dude, isn't it amazing that despite distance, despite even these quarantine-like situations, you can still end up producing a show and... and uh, you know, talking to people all over the world. It is really cool. I've been listening to a few podcasts and also YouTube channels that I watch. And of course, everyone's message is, hey, be careful out there. And, you know, we're sh- sheltering in place and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of people have been talking about how just uh, one of my favorite uh, kind of Mac tech bloggers, John Gruber, was talking about just a few years ago, like none of this was possible. Like, what would you do during you know, essentially a plague or a pandemic, what would you do? Right. Right. Yeah. Though, though I have to, I have to kind of pat ourselves on the back. I think we, we probably could have figured this out in 2008, 2007, you know, in terms of like connecting with people and producing shows and things like that. Cause, cause we've been at this a while. I, I, Made some great connections back in the day, you know, in 2005, yeah. six, seven, eight, those early pioneer days, the wild west of podcasting. Uh, still my favorite site of all time, Podcast Alley. R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> it was exciting to be top 50 podcasts in the world on Podcast Alley. Hey, man. So I know, you know, you started the code. We're, we're kind of going way off track here on the on the agenda, but this is good. This is good talk. So I, I know you started Kobe Beef a while ago, and then you know I followed up with Finding Japan. There were a couple other pretty prolific podcasters in Japan at that time, but they none of them are around anymore. And I, I've been keeping track of a few of them, and they're not podcasting anymore. Not at least in the same way with the same IP. Yeah. So I I think. Dude, I really think this podcast is now Japan's longest running podcast. I think I'm going to start to take that moniker on the road. Just, you know, just run with it. If any of our listeners know of any other podcast that's been going longer, please let us know. 
Yeah, we'll we see. Should, we should add like a established, you know, 2004 at the top of the <laughs> of what? the webpage. Yeah, wow, 2004. Yeah, it wasn't to you. It was, it was, it was before you got back from your trip here to Japan. I, I think, I think technically the trip to Japan, uh, that two week trip that I made, was the start. So that was actually, I think, 2005. So okay. yeah, it's been 15 years. Yeah, over. Almost 15 years. That's crazy, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Still have, like, just the little memories. Yeah, I, I once again off the track, but, yeah, just the little memories, even Cafe Red Cloud or just little things that I just mm-hmm. remember. Man, those things stick with you. So it's really cool in these times, like like in this situation right now, that the podcast is still, you know, the way we stay connected. And, uh, yeah, so how are you? How, how's the situation over there? How are you holding up? What's your, like, just your daily routine or your general situation? So I, I've been very lucky. I, uh, you know, I started a company earlier this year, which allows me to work from home. And, uh, you know, my business partners are, are all over the U S and we work remotely anyway. That's, that's how we work. And then on top of that, I, I took a sort of a side consulting gig for eight to 10 weeks and I thought they were going to cancel it, but nope, they're going, they're going fast and strong. And we're in starting into week, uh, five, of this engagement. And so I, I wake up in the morning, man, and I'm busy till like 6 PM. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, um, some people may know, and, uh, although I do try to keep it quiet just cause of the nature of the company, but I do work for a world famous, uh, fruit shop slash technology, technology company, um, which has been really cool about keeping us all on board. Um, mm-hmm. very generous about that. And are uh, you, st- are you still going in and working? No. At, at the retail store? No, but we do uh, have uh, weekly online meetings and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, it's really cool. And one of the coolest things is that, and I think I can say this, I don't think it's that big a deal and it's a good thing, is that uh, when this whole thing started and when uh, it was announced that we were going to close stores, uh, the company very publicly announced that they would continue paying even our security and janitorial staff, which are not directly hired by the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really cool, you know, just that, that they would do that. Um, that is cool. so, yeah. So just to let people know, cause a lot of people, you know, have lost jobs and have hard situations. So it is really cool when you can keep your job, even if you can't go to your job. So, yeah. uh, other than that, yeah, uh, I stay in touch and yeah, I'm not that part. Yeah. I'm not actively going to work, but my other work is translation and, uh, uh, test English language test problem editing, and I still do that stuff. Um, that stuff still needs to get done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And of course, I'm trying to really get back into uh, consistently podcasting. This is part of that effort, so that's a lot of fun. I noticed that. Congratulations on the uh, the recent episodes. They sound great. It was a lot of fun. I was I was out uh, yesterday sweeping my lawn and like you know listening to the uh, the your your book recommendations and then your whole thing with Nato and how your brother didn't like it and then he did like it <laughs> so it was great man it was fun to listen to yeah i'm going to work on tightening them up a little bit part of the you know thing was just to take this opportunity to just kind of get them out there so you know yeah. they're a little rough but hopefully you know they'll get smoother as time goes by uh, so one fun. of one of the weirdest things about just this whole virus in general is, um, you know, I'm, I'm a homebody. I like being home. Um, I like sort of like nesting and kind of getting things done around the house. Yeah, me too. But I haven't left 
my house in three weeks. I, I've literally been home like, uh, you know, Linda's gone out and gotten some groceries and things like that here and there. But since I've been working like during the day, I'm really busy. I'm on the phone by the time six, seven rolls around. I'm, I don't, I don't need to go anywhere. There's nowhere to go. So I literally have not left my yard in three weeks. Nice. You got that uh, crazy ass owl in your yard, which is just. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. I got to I mean, go. I got to go check on him today. I don't know if he was yeah. doing right or not. Yeah. Big fella. Well, ate a whole rabbit. So I'm sure he's big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or she don't want to be, you know, uh, owl sexist. Uh, but <laughs> big, big yeah. old owl. So it's turned into like home improvement slash uh, nature watching here uh, out in the woods of uh, eastern Connecticut. So it's all been right. nice. Yeah, pace of life has slowed down definitely, but uh, I think we're doing all right. So so how, how is how's Tokyo during this whole thing? You know, there's not a lot of places to go when you're in an apartment. Um, so how are how are people kind of staying safe but staying sane? Yeah, I it, it's. It's been a little hairy in a sense that one of the things about the Japanese situation is that um, they can't really declare a lockdown because of the way Japanese law works and people will be like, oh, it's an emergency situation. They should do that. That's what that's what that would be responsible. The problem is uh, about 70 years ago, uh, Japan decided to be irresponsible on a worldwide level and run around and uh, basically like try to conquer half the world so there is uh built into the japanese constitution and political system is quite a fear of giving the government too much power mm -hmm. uh, which a lot of people in the u.s would probably actually agree with but um the japanese prime minister and government doesn't have a lot of, of really solid emergency powers uh they can declare a state of emergency and then the governors can then like reinforce that declaration but the thing about it is that it's not enforceable as far as like you can't be arrested or fined or detained for walking outside so basically the japanese term is jishuku which means to like withhold yourself from going outside like literally mm -hmm. that's what the term means so mm -hmm. um refrain restrain yourself refrain refrain from going outside so it's a situation where people are still out there everyone's wearing masks um you know, Japanese weren't big huggers in the first place. And so no one's really hugging and, you know, being like socially obnoxious. But at the same time, it's always been a crowded kind of bustly, you know, yeah. Tokyo, especially in the country in general. So people are still kind of sitting and standing close to each other on the train. Um, I've had a few moments where I've just kind of got, I've just quietly gotten up from my seat and, and it's just like, I'm not sitting Gotta next to you. And I just walk away, you know. It's like the tables have turned. Usually like, you know, Japanese people who are uncomfortable sitting next to a foreigner will get up and walk away. And now you're, you're like, hey, you know, come on. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Yo, yeah. you, need to be, you need to be maintaining your distance. Yeah, it's like, I'm not racist. I'm coronavirusist. <laughs> you know, like I'm, not, I'm not dealing with you. Get away from me, COVID. <laughs> no, so I, don't so know. I got a quick clarifying yeah. question for you. Yeah. So the, the, the federal government or the mm -hmm. broad parliamentary government mm -hmm. of Japan can't do anything. But can the governors of the individual prefectures actually do anything? Um, Not really much more, but... But the way the law, from what I understand, is it is kind of devolved. So the, the prime minister would kind of announce a state of emergency. And that gives the governors a little more leeway to announce states of emergency in their own state, in their own prefectures, or to at least say, hey, could you please like stay home? But I think basically because even the way the Japanese police force works, 
on a prefectural level is still connected to the central government. I think it's mm-hmm. hard for there to be truly independent policy. Although, for example, Aichi Prefecture, which is the home of uh, Nagoya, one of the largest uh, industrial cities in Japan, the governor there has basically first asked, I think Kyoto Prefecture too, have asked to be part of the uh, limited uh, emergency state of emergency prefectures. And then mm-hmm. at the same time have just decided to just go ahead and announce their own states of emergency. And I think because the the law for the central government is so weak, the prime minister has basically said, like, hey, governors, like within the law, do what you need to do. So if Got you it. want to, if you want to go to your public, your prefectural citizens and say, hey, like, please stay home, you can do that. But that doesn't give them any extra powers to det- detain anybody or keep anyone in home as like, I don't know how it is in the States, but I talk a lot to my friend in Australia and I think. They, they were thinking of passing or they have passed some degree of laws where they can. Well, if they put you in quarantine, you break quarantine, they can definitely arrest you. I don't know if they have enough power to arrest you for just wandering around. I don't think they can. But I think if it's, you know, egregious, like if you're like holding a party in a park or something, they can probably come yeah. get you. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's been similar in the U.S. Um, just in general. So here in Connecticut at the beginning of March, um, or not the beginning of March, I think more towards the end of March, they announced a state of emergency. And every day there was different guidance coming out about what types of businesses could be open, what types of gatherings were permitted. And I don't think they've been arresting people for breaking that, but they have been telling them they can't do that and dispersing them. So, you know, if a restaurant owner was, um, you know, allowing patrons into the building and not doing curbside like they're supposed to, they would, you know, the cops would show up and be like, you got to shut this down. Um, but I, I haven't heard anybody going to to jail for breaking any sort of these uh, state mandates. Yeah. But but the problem with the U.S. and maybe it's similar in Japan with sort of the, the diffuse nature of any sort of enforcement is that, I mean, you could have really good measures in one state and poor measures in another state. And, you know, people are crossing the border. Um, A lot of states have put up like um, mandates that say, look, if you're coming in from out of state, you have to quarantine yourself for 14 days. But it's kind of weird because all states, at least in the eastern seaboard now, kind of have that. So, you know, crossing a state border is sort of an arbitrary thing. But it doesn't apply like if you're going to the brewery to go pick up their curbside pickup uh, beer, you know. So it, it's it's kind of it's kind of it, we live kind of like in Mazzaro land right now. So if I if I got in my car and drove to Massachusetts, you know, there's a likelihood that a state cop would pull me over and ask me where I'm going. And then I could show him my order for the beer and say I'm going, you know five miles up the road here to go pick up beer curbside. I'm not even getting on my car and then I'm going back and he'd be like, oh, okay. But if I didn't have a good answer, he might say, Hey, you have to, are you going to quarantine? Where are you going to be staying? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, you're essentially day tripping, right? Like you live kind of close to the border. You just, it's just a brewery happens to be across the border. You're not trying to go to that state to like stay there or, you know, yeah, right. essentially run away from where you live. So I'm sure that's a hard that will be kind of a judgment call. It sounds like so far, most authorities have been like reasonable where they've, you know, where there's been reason and there's been a uh, they've taken into context the context rather than, you know, just like, you know, you're crossing straight borders. We're going to throw you in jail. Kind of like, you know, freaking out kind of yeah. uh, excessive uh, enforcement. 
So, so with Japan being more of a kind of like, hey, here's what we would like you to do type of enforcement, what, what's been the, um, the adherence to that? Are, are, are businesses actually taking heed of those recommendations or are, are people just sort of willfully ignoring it and going about their, their normal business? I think so. Some places are still open, um, which is, you know, like I, th- I was walking home. I went to the convenience store to get a few things. Uh, funny enough, uh, the local liquor shop is busier than usual. <laughs> in these times yeah, of trouble yeah. <laughs> same, same thing happened here man like the first couple of weeks like with with housewives and everything it was like you know margaritas afternoon you know like that kind of yeah kind of mentality but that's sort of like waned and I've, I've seen some um retail studies as well that showed yeah you know in the first two to three weeks of this thing you know uh, uh Package stores, liquor stores, you know, really had a big boom, but now it's starting to to wane. And and they say that it's because people are realizing how long this is going to be. Ah, uh, okay. And of course, you know, you've got like thirty percent of Americans have have lost a job in the last is couple it, of weeks. Is it thirty <clears> percent? <throat> what really? I think so. It's quite quite large. I'll I'll double check that while we're talking okay. here. But yeah, that was. I mean, but I, yeah, I know it's I know it's quite quite intense. Um, and so, but now you have people going, Oh wait, maybe, maybe I should save some money for some actual food and not go blow it all on liquor, you know? (laughs) Yeah, sure enough. Um, yeah. So, uh, what was I? So I was going to the convenience store and I was passing by, uh, a ramen shop that I sometimes go to and they were still open uh, they weren't bustling or crowded, but they were still open. I've seen shops have signs out. They say, hey, we're doing takeout. Here's our takeout menu. I've seen them do the, uh, the you know, the uh, chalkboard on the A stand uh, where they write up, you know, what their, what their menu items are. Uh, I mean, places are definitely less crowded, but it's surprising. It can still be surprisingly bustly as far as just people either... They still have to go to work, so they're coming home from work, or people still want to mm-hmm. go out to the convenience store, or the grocery store to get things. Uh, until a couple nights ago, like izakayas, you know, Japanese style pubs, little restaurants were still open. I was like, "Whoa, that's a bit." And it was even a restriction. I think when they called for just the past couple of days, the the at least in Tokyo, the governor called for uh, businesses, and once again, they they can't enforce it, but they can request that businesses uh curtail uh business hours. So I think izakayas and pubs and bars were doing like you can come to drink for from five to eight, like basically like just like happy hour evening golden time, and then just like please, it's kind go of go home. It's kind of stupid though, don't you think? You know. Decreasing the hours is not going to necessarily decrease the point-to-point exposure. Um, I mean, yeah, you may have you know two turnovers a night normally, and maybe only have one or none. But yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't see how that's that's even helpful. I feel like I feel like Japan is taking an incremental approach to to this that is probably not going to have the same effect as if, you know, everybody just sort of hunkered down for a couple of weeks. And that that's kind of what worries me, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. I, there's a certain point where I think they might be gambling on some of these, um, not obviously until a vaccination comes out, 
there's not going to be a mm-hmm. real like cure. But before that, you know, the, uh, the Japanese uh, anti-flu medicine, Avagon and things like that, like in other in other possible uh, medical treatments that don't cure. You know, they don't vaccinate the the uh, virus, but, you know, they they help people uh, recover or survive. And I think they're kind of banking on those things starting to come online and then probably not overflowing the medical, especially the intensive care units. Mm -hmm. And just seeing how it goes with this current like pace, which at first I was really annoyed with the Japanese government or I was really like, what's going on here? This is like the typical Japanese, just like, you know, we're going to be real conservative about our measures and pretend things aren't happening because we want the Olympics. And it was really annoying. And I'm still annoyed with the government in general towards that mentality. They're still doing press until a few days ago. Maybe they've stopped now until a few days ago. They were still doing press conferences where like a bunch of journalists and then the politicians are in a room together. It's like, what's going on? This this can't be done remotely. Like, really? Like, yeah. just this mentality is kind of crazy. But at the same time, like, one of the advantages of Japan is, like, one of the most orderly populations. Like, if you just, like, quietly tell Japanese people generally to knock it out, they'll generally or knock it off. They'll generally knock it off. You know, they'll just generally, like, they're not too adverse to following instruction and just kind of being orderly. And it's not a very, it, although people are in close proximity because it's, high population density it's not a very touchy-feely culture so and right. everyone wears masks and i'm not trying to downplay so, people who've you know died and people who've had family members you know lost to this virus but like you know we're still not reaching bubonic plague levels and in some ways the economic repercussions could actually come around to hurt us more than the unfortunate but possibly unavoidable you know medical repercussions. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple things you said there and I wanted to comment on. Um, so one thing that our, the listeners of this podcast might want to check out is safecast.org. Safecast was formed after the um, 311 Tohoku yeah, earthquake. Yeah, for the radiation monitoring. For radiation monitoring. And um, you know, one, one of my um, friends and colleagues um, had a big part in getting that started up. Well, they've since shifted to reporting on, on COVID-19 testing uh, worldwide. Um, so they have a tracking mechanism where you can go and, and um, n- not only indicate like were you tested, but did you attempt to get tested and what was the result? Um, and they've got some pretty interesting data on Japan that, that you might want to go check out. Okay. Um, the, the second thing is just in terms of general impact, um, the, the, I think what is what is scary about this virus and and maybe this this fear will go away once we get more information is, you know, it is 10 times more lethal than the flu. Um, So, you know, even if it is just as transmissible, the impact to human life is going to be much higher. Um, In addition to that, the incubation period seems a hell of a lot longer. It's it's over. It could be as high as 14 days, if not over that. Right. And then they're also um, seeing some interesting data coming from people who have recovered from the virus. And a recent study I saw said that 30 percent of them had unusually low antibodies, you know, even just a few weeks after having, quote, recovered. Um, And they're starting to see now recurrences of infections in South Korea. Oh, man. 
So, yeah, I think if if you put this into the same bucket of similar transmissibility, maybe a little more, uh, a little higher case fatality rate, then then yeah, I think that that argument you raise about you know the economic impacts could could you know certainly be a kind of a, a detriment beyond just the the general loss of human life, which of course is is tragic. But I don't think all the data is in yet, um, and I think. We're still learning a lot more about how quickly it transmits, how easy it is to catch it if you're catching it from people who are asymptomatic, and then what's the likelihood that you're going to get it again? Because um, you know, many of these people who do recover often have um, temporary, if not permanent, lung damage, reduced lung capacity. I, you know, I could tell you if, if you're coming out of the ICU being on a ventilator for a week, and then you get this thing again, your chances of survival the second time around are a lot less. Yeah. And, and getting it doesn't give you immunity. So yeah, you can get it again, just as, just as anyone else could get it the first time. And then well, you, I think they, they don't know that that's the issue. Uh, they're still trying to suss that out. From what I've heard though, there's no, there's, but there's no particular sign of, of, of immunity from getting it right. Some diseases have a thing where if you get it, you basically don't get it again, at least generally maybe at least for not for many years, you may get it again, you know, after many, 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 many years and, and the effects or the, the previous case has you know, been a, been quite a while ago, but I think, yeah, the problem is we don't know a lot about this. I also heard things about possibly that the strains in different, there might be different strain. I, just to clarify, I understand yeah. that, I understand that COVID-19 is a particular coronavirus. So I'm not talking about coronavirus strains. I'm talking about within COVID-19 that there might be a few different strains, but I don't know a lot about that. And they're talk. I've heard a little bit about that where the coronavirus, the COVID-19 that people are getting in East Asia versus what they're getting in Europe or yeah. in parts of the U.S. might be different, but that is also very new and very uncertain. So I don't want to, you know, please obviously uh, consult your medical professional, not a uh, erstwhile not podcaster. A <laughs> yeah. But that's, you know, another thing too, right? Like differences in, in the, in the possible differences in the virus strain. Yep. Yeah. In fact, the one that's in, that's one that's running around rampant in New York right now is, is the European strain, not an Asian strain. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I found that survey I was talking about real quick. It, it was done the beginning. Well, the, it was the data was collected the last week of March. The survey was released. The results were released at the beginning of April. But it was that 39% of Americans have either lost a job or in, some form of income due to COVID-19. So that would include reduced hours, furloughs, uh, et cetera. Okay. I mean, that's still not good news, but yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, just, you know, a couple of interesting things just in daily life. Uh, just today I went to the, I went to two convenience stores. So I got off, I got, I, I don't, I generally keep my going out to just going to convenience stores to pick up food or grocery stores, to pick up food. And, and of mm -hmm. course to pick up my vital supply of alcohol, which I need to survive <laughs> in these times. What, what have you been drinking by the way? Uh, today, what? tonight, I got a bottle of uh, French red wine, uh, Santa Duc, which doesn't sound very French, but uh, heritage or probably heritage, Bombe de France. This is a Cote de Rhone, so a Grenache-based wine. I had a, mm -hmm. I had a, not Bex, what's the, Carlsberg. I had a Carlsberg and I had a Guinness a little earlier. Nice. Uh, yeah, you know, just whatever I find. Uh, my favorite kind of 
super American IPAs, uh, you know, Antenna America and Shinagawa. I haven't been back to them in a couple of weeks since things have kind of gotten bad and they're probably shut down anyway. So uh, I kind of miss my hardcore, you know, East Coast hazies and West Coast IPAs and all that good stuff. But, eh, you know, I'm surviving. At the end I of went the day, to that. When I went to that brewery, I won't, I won't say which one it is because I don't want to give them free that free advertising because they're not paying us yet. Um, but <laughs> they uh, they have the most amazing beer, and we picked up a, a twenty four, uh, not twenty four pack. We picked up twenty four beers of a variety of their beers. But it's amazing because you know we brought them home, and I, I let them sit out in the garage for like a couple days, and then I wiped them all down with Lysol. <laughs> Oh, wow. And, and then put them all in the refrigerator because the stuff lives on cans and in cold temperatures for a while. And they're, they've got a procedure in place today. Actually, let me, let me talk about this. I don't mean to interrupt you, but ah, not at all. while we're on the topic. So basically, in the morning, they open up their store virtually at 8 a.m. And you go online and put your order in. Once they've filled their quota for the day, they don't take any more orders. The brewery itself, inside the brewery, each staff member has to maintain a different uh, a separation of 20 feet um, between each employee. When you go to the brewery, you pull up and you have to show your license and your order by holding it up against the car window. Mm-hmm. So you don't even open your window. And then the person in the parking lot will read your order. He'll call by radio into the brewery. An employee will come out and bring the beer out and put it on a table next to the curb. At that point, you are then able to drive up to the table and get out of your car to get the beer and put it in your car and then drive away. Wow. Yeah, there's nothing like that in Japan. I could just go to the convenience store and still buy my beers and I have not been wiping them down. I don't know, like. I think about it and then I I just have such mixed feelings, you know. I think if I was in an environment where everyone was behaving that way, I would of course naturally behave that way. And I'm mm-hmm. not obviously I want to protect myself at the same time. I don't know, it's hard with something you can't see with this invisible threat, right? Like you just can't I can't gauge what is at uh, what is the appropriate appropriate measure or what is necessary? Yeah. I started looking at the package date on the bottoms of the beers, uh, the ones that we were buying, like, you know, regular commercial beers, um, and doing like math in my head, like, oh, February 4th. Yeah, it wasn't really prevalent then. So that should be okay to drink without wiping down. Oh, March 4th? Hell no. That, that guy's getting wiped down. <laughs> yeah, I might have to get in I did buy some spray. My The local alcohol shop had some great spray because it's hard been, it's been hard. I'm probably coming off the mic. Sorry. It's been hard to uh, uh, get this kind of stuff. So I got this Kinkyu Weedus Taisaku Weedus Kingo Jokyo Joking Anti, you know, whatever, antibacterial uh, disinfectant in a little spray bottle. Yeah, um, it's, it's tough, man. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I was in a really weird spot because I was, I was the person who was in March saying, well, I don't know if I should really go to this thing. I took my kids and went with my brother-in-law and my sister to PAX East, which is a huge video game conference. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of like E3, but only video games. Yeah. Um, In Boston uh, at the end of February. And I almost didn't go to that. And people are like, oh, you're you're being oversensitive. And um, I'm on a uh, town committee for rebuilding one of our schools here. And 
So we have to meet in public by law. And I was telling everybody the middle of March, I said, what are we doing to meet virtually? And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, this, we, we're going to be, end up meeting virtually at some point. And they're like, ah, you're watching too much news. And of course our next meeting was canceled because we couldn't meet in person. Um, so I feel like I've been that guy in every sci-fi movie who is the scientist that nobody listens to. And then they try to go back to him later because he was right, but he's dead because... Yeah, I was about to say, don't you, don't you sadly die? Like, yeah, the aliens yeah, are coming. We must do everything to protect ourselves. And then they, you know, the weird alien tentacle gets you and yeah, which is sad. And then the gung-ho hero somehow survives. So, um, uh, yeah. So that's, that's me right now. So I've been, um, you know, trying to kind of... I, I, I've been toning it down, not because I, I, uh, feel like, you know, the threat is reducing, but I've toned it down because I'm tired of being right. And it's kind of annoying. <laughs> well, also the, the thing about all this stuff is, is that we still need to, you know, stay, we, we, I think there's a degree to which of course we need to keep these measures, but at the same time, there's only so much, like you could only be at peak alertness for so long before you just kind of lose you know, you just lose the the capacity to keep doing it at that level. And there's probably right. and yes, it's a little bit of a gamble, but there's probably a reduced level. That's just about enough for 90 mm-hmm. percent of the cases that you're going to make it. And once again, of course, it's all 90 percent. It's all great until the 10 percent is one of your family members or you. I get it. But there's some point where, you know. You get on an airplane and you think about that. You get in a car, you think about it. There's a point where you take all the measures that are reasonable and then the rest of it is just going to have to be some degree of, you know, flipping it, not flipping a coin, but rolling the dice. Yeah. Well, we've already had a member of our social circle test positive and had to quarantine herself for two weeks and she's got an immunocompromised child, two other kids. Her husband has it now and he was asymptomatic. Oh, wow. So... It's real for us, right? Mm-hmm. So, and we were interacting with them, you know, not more than three or four weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so there's, you know, we, we literally had a dinner table conversation where, you know, Linda got the text that she was positive and we immediately said, okay, when was the last time we saw them? How long ago was that? Was it within 21 days? Okay, it was. So we are going to, what are we going to do, you know, to self-quarantine ourselves just to make sure if we do have it and we're not having a problem that we're not giving it to somebody else yeah exactly i mean that was a nice dinner table conversation <laughs> yeah know, it's like, Whoa, it's I, mean, I, do, I do little things you know i take my temperature every day i get it the 14 days you know like it doesn't you know if if i start getting symptoms i'd have to think about what i was doing two weeks ago which unless you take a good journal diary it's kind of hard to remember what what happened to you two weeks ago by the way there was a there was a really cool um little blurb about some work that Apple and Google were doing. Yeah. Um, the tracking with, yeah. Yeah. Contact, with, contact with tracking, anonymous Bluetooth contact tracking yeah. and, you know, if someone tests positive, then you can go back and, um, it'll alert everybody that you've had contact with anonymously. Yeah. That's such, that's such an awesome idea and good use of technology. And I, I, I hope they actually do it because it sounds like we're, you know, this thing's probably going to go on for a couple of years here. Yeah, so that's, we're probably going to be something great. Like that. Between, between Apple's like paranoia about privacy and Google's really good ability to get all your information. I think it's like the perfect, <laughs> <laughs> not the, okay, I'm biased and I'm joking, but you know. Did, did you see, yeah, but did you see that Google, I think, I think it was Google who did that contact trace, not contact tracing, but they did like the, uh, 
what was it? Uh, they looked at all the the movement of the phones of all the people who are on spring break in Florida and then showed like how they went all over the U S like a couple days later. Yeah. I have not seen that, but I'm, I'm not surprised. And that's extra scary. Not, I mean, yes, the Google thing is scary, but also spring breakers are scary. So if you, yeah, yeah, to see that or to imagine how they spread out throughout the country after gathering together basically. And, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's insane. So anyway, back on track. So you were talking about your, uh, you, you were out and about, uh, kind of get some, uh, supplies. Yeah. So I go to the, the convenience store. store. I go to the, lo- the local Lawson's. I, I, so the only places I go to basically is convenience store, grocery store, and those kind of things. And I also just kind of move back and forth between my place and my girlfriend's place. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, try to wear a mask, wash hands, you know, do the best I can. And I don't talk to anybody. I don't, get near anyone but uh when i got back home today back to my place i first stopped off at the convenience store and they had these uh, in front of the counter lawson had these you know like it's the the clear plastic that you see like if you go to like a costco or a place that has like a giant walk-in meat freezer well they'll have just like this the the clear plastic uh, curtains hanging down and you kind of push them aside to get in and you know to keep the coolness inside and separate from the rest of the store well they had that in front of the counters where the staff are so they had <laughs> yeah they had these transparent it was kind of a cool idea like it was very japanese and like it kind of worked they had it the lawson one was actually like pretty high quality like plastic curtain clear curtain and had the folds were in a perfect place where you can like put your items on the counter but still it would come back into place and uh, you know the staff are all wearing masks so i thought that was kind of interesting like let me ask uh, a question. Do you yeah. have to touch touch and push aside this plastic thing to transact? You kind of have to, not dramatically. You can probably kind of push your just push your shopping cart onto there and it kind of moves aside. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's I'm sure there's all sorts of holes, but you know, I don't know. At least someone's not gonna directly cough on you or you know, it's hard to say because we just don't know much about, you know. We still we still don't know much about this virus in specific ways. But, yeah, I wonder about that. I kind of worry about it a little bit less in Japan just because generally it's a quite fastidious culture. So, yeah. And also people take more care when they're not feeling well. And I think now that Japan sort of has muscle memory already for because everybody's been sick and been out public and have worn, worn a mask. Now, I think people who are even feeling healthy are going to take more precautions in case they are carrying it to, to prevent passing it on to somebody else. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, contrary to the experience of going to a convenience store, like a fast food or convenience store in the U S like most Japanese convenience store employees are pretty like, I mean, there's a few, you know, there's a few silly people, but generally people are, quite like professional and polite and yeah meaning you know they're gonna do the procedures to spray their hands with alcohol before they hand you something and and you know and wash the and wipe the counters down like everything is always very clean and it seems to be you know all the staff are wearing masks nobody is coming up to you and touching you or getting close to you so it's pretty cool some sometimes you know i get i get more nervous with just some random ass customer you just can't really read how they're going to behave yeah yeah I have so one of the things that they've done here in grocery stores uh, recently is they've started putting 
um, traffic direction markers in the aisles to I've keep that, people yeah. from passing each other in the aisles. But in Japanese stores, those aisles are much more narrow. Yeah, and um, I'm not so far. I'm not seeing any of that in Japanese places. Yeah, I mean, some of the concerns are there's still a lot of proximity. You know, I don't know. It's 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 it's. I don't know how to. I don't know what the read on it is. You know how to. Obviously, especially in the U.S. with the East Coast and New York in particular, like the explosion of the virus just has been unprecedented. And regardless of whether or not to what degree the Japanese government is suppressing numbers or hiding cases, it doesn't seem even if you're going to try to suppress something, if if the explosion was that high, it mm-hmm. would seem to get out. It would seem to leak through the grasp of the government trying to hide or cover up or suppress. So I'm not trying to say the Japanese government is not shady and I'm not trying to say the num- the real numbers aren't higher than the public numbers. They probably are. But if there t- was a true like uncontrollable explosion of cases, I would think it would be pretty hard to hide. Mm-hmm. So just because the medical system would probably be overwhelmed, people would be sick and rushing to the hospital, there would be, you know, there would just be there would just be a um uh not overload but you know the system would just be overwhelmed so i yeah, don't know see some obvious signals. yeah there would just be obvious signals that have nothing to do with whatever the government whatever shady or unshady thing the government is trying to do there would just be a reality right. of the of the of the situation so i just think that i i don't think we're seeing that and i think while the situation is pretty dire for whatever reason, it doesn't seem to be that crazy in Japan. And I don't know. Maybe people are quietly just like, you know, being smothered in their futons in their little tiny apartments and no one knows. <laughs> I hope that's not the case. I hope That'd that's not the case. I'm, you know, I'm obviously joking around with a little. Though I, Jap- did, I did see a statistic that uh, it, Japan typically only reports death by pneumonia numbers every three years. Mm. Um, and they're in an off year this year, so they haven't been reporting that figure, okay. which seems a little bit irresponsible. Yeah, given the and, and and even a lot of the apparently some of the what are probably coronavirus deaths have been reported as pneumonia, which and then once you bring up that, which I have not heard extra compounds the issue probably because it's like if you're going to claim that something is pneumonia death and then plus you have a every we only announce a pneumonia deaths every three years and this is not the year like, you know. You can see how, like, it seems like that's an extra, like, hidden, an extra layer. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, we live in weird times. So what's, what's the path forward here for Japan? Have you guys heard anything about how this is going to go over the next couple of months or so? I, I asked that because here... On the East Coast, I it, I know it's different state by state, but they've already admitted that kids aren't coming back to school until at least uh, the end of May. In which case, we're only you know we only got like another three or four weeks after that. Um, so it's possible they may cancel it entirely. But we you know we're pretty much in this mode till the next uh, I don't know six weeks or so. Nothing looks nothing looks like it's going to change. So. 
what's what's the feeling in Japan in terms of these these orders and, and kind of the time horizon of these orders? I think that's going to be true for schools and a lot of and businesses that don't need to that where in which remote work works. And then as far as like, which is weird because I work for a retail company, so you would think that would not work. But I think one, I, I admittedly work for like the world's most successful company, so there is a some leeway with that. I think. And I right. think there's, and there's also international policy involved with that. And I just think, yeah, whatever you think of how cor- corporations operate, I don't think it's in the best interest of even giant fruit shop to um, endanger its employees and expect its business model to continue working. So right. whether you think, you know, corporations can be benevol- benevolent or you think they're, you know, amoral or whatever you think they are, I think it's going to continue um, as is for a while given mm-hmm. the international situation. Uh, I, de- I don't see, yeah, I don't see kids going back to school in May, including in Japan. I mean, they've already, Japanese schools are already giving the students, you know, their assignments and then sending them home. Really? Uh, I thought there were schools in Japan recently it is that... Technically, yeah, it is technically optional. That's probably in more regional prefectures. I don't, I, I can only speak for Tokyo. Tokyo has definitely shut down schools. Um, oh, once okay. again, the Japanese law where they can't, force schools to shut down comes into play but most schools you know nobody wants to be the school that opened and then had a bunch of kids die so you know school districts are taking it into their own hands to just shut school down uh they may try to do something i wouldn't be surprised if they try to do some once again you know this is the problem is these incremental and these kind of half-assed measures that act like the virus understands what weekends are like a couple weeks back there was a a weekend, like, do not go outside during the weekend announcement. Yeah, I remember that. This was just after they canceled the Tokyo Olympics, which, not to toot my own horn, but I was losing my mind for about a good couple of weeks. We're like, this is all BS because the Olympics. If they don't shut down the Olympics, they're going to keep hiding numbers. And sure enough, the day after they shut down the Olympics, all of a sudden, a hundred and some people died or not died, got coronavirus in Tokyo. No, 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 no. People have been getting coronavirus and those numbers way before they shut down the right. Olympics. It's just that until they shut down the Olympics, you you guys didn't want to do anything about it. So that was kind of, you know, frustrating and strange. Um, yeah, but yeah, I wonder like as far as, and I think some like businesses like restaurants and more like kind of those socially oriented businesses may try to open back up again. I think South Korea is an example, although South Korea is different because they took really early on heavy measures to lock everything down and test heavily and like really get on it. Like they just really got on right. it. So I think given that, Given those measures, their response now is to let's try to open things back up a little bit. But I think I was watching. I didn't get through all of it, so I don't know what the conclusion was. But there was a YouTube video that was showcasing uh, Korea's recent case, like the latest in Korea. And Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what the conclusion was of that video. It could be that now that they've opened things back up, things have kind of risen back up again in Korea. I've heard whisperings of that where... It looked good, and then you know, possibly there could be like a corona comeback, which yep. you know, like you pointed and that's, out, that's what I'm worried about yeah. in the U.S. as well, because there's so much political pressure to get the economy opened up, and you know, the political environment is not conducive to being conservative with people's health at the moment. Um, I'll I'll leave it at that. Yeah. And you know, I think there's there's a big risk for that in the U.S. as well. 
But I was thinking, man, all that all that Tokyo 2020 merch I bought during my last trip to Japan, it's got to be worth a lot more now that they're pushed it off a year. <laughs> yes or no? <laughs> it's like what happened? What happens to all the um, you know, like Super Bowl 2018 champions to the team that lost? You know, because they make those caps, <laughs> they make those shirts and caps, and then one team wins, and then the other team's 2018 Super Bowl championship. <laughs> caps get I think, thrown in the incinerator you know it to to me i think having one of those would be hilarious right <laughs> you'd be like where'd you get that but we're obviously <laughs> not diehard sports fans like you know like i enjoy a little I, bit of sports watching but i'm not like i don't you know i don't live or die on a, on a on a world series win or a super bowl win yeah you know there's a lot of things that have stopped that just don't you know don't really uh, affect me like sports. Um, but I know a lot of people who are just like, they're like, Oh my God, I need, I need to watch something. Yeah. Who are just Jones and for a sports fix. And I'm like, Hey, well, aren't there like a lot of really good classic games, you know, throughout history? You should be able to just go watch some old sports. It's like watching a good movie again. Oh, I love, I love the, there's that famous series. Is it 40 for 40, whatever it is. It's the ESPN series of like the greatest games. And I think it's mostly football. No, no, it's not football. It's whatever famous games or happening in sports. Yeah, it's, it's great. I, sorry, someone out there is screaming the title. If you know it, it's ESPN. It's that famous documentary series. It's they're great because they're great, but they're not great. They, they don't have to be great just because you like sports. They're just great stories of like overcoming adversity right. and like, you know, the historical nature of the event. It's great. The historic nature of the event um yeah. yeah uh so yeah things like sports I, I enjoy sports but yeah i don't live or die on it uh, i was thinking what yeah the thing the point i wanted to make or the thing i wanted to say was i've been and through my podcast too uh it's just going back over old movies i recently watched i watched rear window not too far back i watched north by northwest yeah a lot of hitchcock nice uh, i happen to be a hitchcock fan but uh i'm gonna start going through my catalog of my favorite japanese directors too i can't wait to get back into a little bit of ozu or kurosawa all those guys nice, man i i, I yeah. hope to hear some more podcasts and all along those lines as well that'd be really fun yeah i think i'll have to i'll have to watch a few of those movies again just so i get that you know get it back in my head and then hey talk, if you if you end things. up watching one of those or planning to watch one of those and do a bit on it um send me send me what you're watching so i'll throw it in my list and yeah could, awesome yeah could do it up yeah i will yesterday i ended up oh well, not watching because i was working but i was i listened to the apocalypse now soundtrack oh nice i don't know if i ever and listened it, to that as just a soundtrack oh that's it's cool. good it's yeah. good it, because it's different than typical soundtracks in that you know a lot of soundtracks will kind of cover the major movements of the um of the film through music this covers the story through not only music, but also the narration from Martin Sheen um, and some of the the key iconic scenes of that movie. So it's kind of like watching an almost like watching an audio or listening to an audio book of that movie. Um, nice. It's like a two disc, two disc set. It's really nice. Um, and then, of course, it got me up last night. I was up to like one in the morning um, watching behind the scenes documentaries for Apocalypse Now and like what what happened <laughs> when they went to make that movie. Oh, uh, dear incredible. Lord. Martin Sheen got a heart attack during the making of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> still alive. So it didn't turn yeah, out too badly. Still alive. Yeah. 
Well, uh, I guess there was a whole bunch of stuff with Marlon Brando too about the character and kind of how they were setting it up and, and Marlon's approach and, you know. Well, when you, sh- when you show up, when you show up as fat Marlon <laughs> and people are like, we wanted to shoot you. Ooh, we're going to put you in shadows because you're like whatever, how many pounds overweight he was or, you know, uh, it's been a while since I've seen that movie. So I, I can't yeah. say too much about it. It's, it's a movie that I respect and appreciate, don't necessarily, and I'm sure I'm not the only person, don't necessarily find very watchable. Uh, but that's mm. just me. Maybe other people, you know, have a lot more affection for it. I have to. Yeah, I'll, just just don't watch the it. extended director's cut, which is like three and a half hours long. Oh, uh, dear Lord, no. I, I just can't. I can't. Yeah. I love what's <laughs> his, I love Robert Duvall in the beginning talking about, you know, the, loving the smell of napalm in the morning or whatever it was. That's a great. Oh line. yeah, and the ride. His character is the great. Ride yeah. of the ride of the Valkyries. Yeah, it's, yeah, the helicopters. Yeah, so you you'd enjoy the soundtrack then, man. It's a good, it's a bite sized. Uh, it's it's a snack sized version of the film that you can listen to while you're doing other stuff. It's oh, definitely cool. worth it. Yeah. Anything else you've been getting into? Have you watched any other movies or got into like TV shows or? Uh, no, not so much in, on the movies and, and TV show side. There's a couple things with the kids we've been watching just to keep busy. But um, no, I've been I've been getting back into music. Um, what have you been listening so, to? Well, no, making music. So I'm oh, making the, music. Nice. All of the shows that we had for the sum this the first half of this year since uh, mid March have been canceled. Obviously. Um, so, so the band has been collaborating virtually, um, putting tracks together and we've been mixing those and, um, that's been a lot of fun. And, uh, I started getting back into modular synthesis again and starting to explore some things there. So yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Nice. Just well, if you got kind, any... kind... Go ahead. Uh, well, nice. If you got any, uh, you know, links or files you can send me anytime. Oh yeah. I'll... I'll send them to you. In fact, uh, oh, well, you're, you're recording on your end, so you don't need my file, but I was going to put it in the same spot with all the other stuff. Yeah, but I'll, I'll send you the, the, uh, where the tracks are. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's similar to podcasting in terms of like collaborating on a technical level. Um, except, you know, you've got four people doing that at the same time and, you know, sending wave files back and forth, but it's fun. Nice. Still yeah. wave files. Yeah. Wave files seem to never go away. Well, they are high quality, aren't they? Yeah, well, because you're recording the actual, you know, bits as they came out of the audio interface. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, um, there's no, uh, they're completely lossless, right? And there's yeah. no, yeah. There's no compression yeah. also? Yeah. Yep, there's no compression. So, um, but yeah, it's it's good. So we've been getting our, you know, 70s and 80s rock and a little bit of country on. I think we're working on, what are we working on? Uh, Hungry Like the Wolf right now we're doing. Nice, little Duran Duran. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We did uh, did some Tom Petty already and some oh, Kenny Chesney. I, and... I love uh, Tom Petty. I don't know a lot about Kenny Chesney. I'd love to listen to more Kenny Chesney. Uh, I secretly have a, a, a mild uh, affection for, I'm not saying Kenny Chesney is in this category, but I have a, a secret mild affection. A lot of people don't know about for uh, some country music. <laughs> I, I do have allergies to a lot of the really, you know, like I don't need to hear anybody talk about their, all their exes living in Texas, but um, I'm quite the, um, uh, what's his name? Jason, 
Uh, why am I forgetting? Uh, he did a, uh, I'm going to say something and then forget it. Then it's going to be terrible podcasting, but, um, <laughs> whatever I'll come up with it when it comes up in my head. But, uh, I do love be some... a nice slice edit in there being like, I remembered it was. Yeah. Ah, I got, ah, I'm almost there, but whatever. Uh, Jason is, is bald. I can't remember his name now. So, or I can't pronounce his name. So it makes it even worse. Uh, he's great. He's got a song called Elephant, which is a sad, sad song about his friend. I think it's semi-autobiographical. It's probably autobiographical, but it's a sad, like autobiographical so- sounding song about a friend of his dying from cancer. Uh, mm-hmm. it's a, it's an amazing song. Uh, he's a great artist and it's one of my favorite artists and yeah, uh, it's pretty cool. So I don't listen to a lot of country music, but records make it pretty nice to listen to country music. So I got a few artists yeah, in there. Well, I, I appreciate the fact that we share, uh, what we play on Apple music with each other. So I get to see what you're listening to periodically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, <laughs> I do. I do spend a lot of my time, uh, listening to these days for whatever reason, a lot of EDM and a lot of hip hop, but that's just <laughs> because I like the, I don't know, the, uh, on the headphones and the speakers, the bass sounds nice and the sounds kind of punchy. Yeah. Yeah. But I enjoy a lot of different kinds of music. I've always been pretty eclectic. Cool. Well, let me know when you're going to get the, those uh, movies going, man. I'll, I could use a couple more Japanese films uh, in my repertoire. There's a lot of stuff there that you've watched that I haven't seen yet as well. So if you can get a decent, all, yeah, the only thing on that, if you can, I don't know how you have, I don't know how much, how Criterion works, if it's like subscription or if you can just pay for the movie. If you can get a decent copy of it, I definitely recommend The Naked Island. It, look, it's a slow burn, but it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. Uh, black and white. It does have sound, but no dialogue because the way, because the premise of the movie is based on, or uh-huh. the, yeah, the conceit of the movie is based on having no dialogue, but it's a really great movie. Well, we've got tons of services here. We've got, I think all the major ones, so I should be able to yeah try it's, to find it. And if I'm not, I'm pretty you know, sure it's on Criterion. Uh, it was on Japan's Amazon a while back, but then when I went back recently, it wasn't, I was kind of bummed out. I kind of want to sit with that movie. Um, you know, of course, for me, any recommendation, like I love Ozu. So any Ozu movie is worth watching uh, different directors. Uh, these days, something by Itami Juzo, uh, the guy who did Tampopo and mm-hmm. he did um, uh, Maru, Maru-san Onna, A Taxing Woman, which basically made fun of the Yakuza, which is the movie or series of movies that probably got him killed. Uh, he's a great director. That's uh, it, oh, wow. it, it, Itami. I, did I say Ito Juzo? I think it, it's Itami Juzo. Uh, he's I a think great, you said Itami. Yeah, he's a great director. Uh, a little more current than Ozu and stuff like that. I think he's mostly 80s, a little bit of 90s possibly, but yeah, 80s director. Uh, really great director and a lot of great stuff. Good sense of humor, but also dark at the same time. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, great cin- cinematography. And look, tragedy for him, but the backstory is basically he was like putting the middle finger up to the Yakuza and corruption in Japan and they probably killed him for it. It's controversial. Supposedly he killed himself by jumping off a tall building, but who does that? So, um, yeah, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but great director. Yeah. Conveniently great director and the, and his muse and wife, uh, forgot her whole name. Nobuko, something Nobuko. She's a great actress and she's in a lot of his movies. 
It really oh, makes cool. those movies shine. Uh, she's still she's still around. She's a now you know now an older lady, but a great actress. Yeah. Well, I will look up Naked Island see if I can find it. Yeah, it's uh Shindo Kaneto is a director. So cool. All right. Well, that sounds like right, a man. great episode. Uh, everybody in the world, please take care. You know, it is what it is. Uh, we will get through and let's uh, take it seriously, but not be too serious. There have been times in, pa- in the past. Uh, me and Ayako, my girlfriend, were looking up how many people in Europe died during the uh, Black Plague. And I'm not trying to say <laughs> I'm not trying to say anybody who passed away from Corona that that's a light thing. But just remember, like, I think, what, one third or something of Europe passed away during that. We're yeah. far from that. And we have a lot more technology and knowledge and know-how and better governance. So hopefully we can all pull to pull together. And yeah, we're going to get, we're yeah. going to get through this as long as we don't, you know, not just recklessly or responsible with it. Yeah. It sucks. We've got the technology. But it, it sucks, is what it is. Yeah. All right. Wash man. your hands. Don't touch your face. Yeah. I'm, I'm making touch my face motions right now. I'm That's not. what we need to do, man. We need to make a, we need to make a finding Japan branded uh, PSA with in both japanese and english i think together i think there's somebody wait there's a bovine there's a bovine character waiting in the shadows <laughs> for his opportunity dude Great. write it up i'll i'll i'll, I'll write the uh i'll write the uh the, the music for you could do the lyrics hey by the way so yeah. I, I think there was somebody who commented on finding japan about kind of the uh what was it the 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 lack of political correctness of our bovine friend and it clearly i think that person just picked up on one episode and hasn't understood the history of the podcast yeah like (laughs) look and i i will acknowledge that person who's probably not listening to this is not going to listen to this i would acknowledge i do struggle with that with that a little bit because i acknowledge the inappropriate inappropriateness it's a yeah it's it's a hard it's hard but i think sometimes like there have been past, there have been representations in the past that yeah straddle that line. One of the favorite examples I like to bring up is Mr. Miyagi from Karate Kid. Yeah, like, people forget Pat Morita was American. If you ever heard him in an interview, he was an American. He did not speak English with an accent. You know that was an act. That was a character. But at the same time, I've always argued that Mr. Miyagi was the most noble character in all in all of that series. Regardless yeah. of whether, what do you think about, you know, Luke I and, you know, and his whole, it, the, that whole accent. Yes. I'm sure he struggled with that, but there's a scene where he's blind drunk because he's crying yeah. about the anniversary of his wife's death and he's a medal of honor winner. And he sang a song in that, that his mom had sung to him or he knew that song It's a traditional Japanese song and he sang it. And that scene got him nominated for an Oscar. And it's because yeah. he was able to draw from that. Yes. His character was very caricature, but you know. Uh, you know, you know what I'm trying to say, but yeah. Well, my point was like, if you can't handle our friend T Bone, then like, don't go listen to any of Chris Rock's comedy. Don't like yeah. listen to any of the Mexican American comedians. Exactly. <laughs> also, well, let me be careful. Well, I'm not trying to say that the the creation of T Bone Tower is anywhere at the level of Mr. Miyagi from Karate Kid. Obviously, the artistic <laughs> level. Like, I just thought about that. Like, ooh, that came off really like you need to treat <laughs> Oscar nominated Pat Morita. You need to treat T Bone Tower at the same level. No, 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 no. I'm just saying like there can be that kind of parody and it can still be in good spirit i will acknowledge the uh, yeah the rough edges and take it or leave it it's fine i'll I'll, i'm satisfied operating at the south park level we're we're good yeah i think we're good (laughs) but you know i'll open to criticism i think that's part of it 
being good about it means that you acknowledge and then you decide whether you're going to move on or not. And then people can move away or keep listening or however they feel about it. But I get it, you know, without context, I can see some people getting kind of upset about it. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was funny, but I, I think, I think, you know, our, our bovine friend should, should make an appearance and, and get her done. It'd be good. Go, go talk to his agent about it. See if he's up for it. Yeah. You know, I've had to talk to Yeah, He doesn't get back to me directly anymore. You know how he does. He's got all his handlers. His whole... <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't want to contract a uh, coronavirus from any humans. Oh no. You know, he would be, yeah. His whole conceit would be, I great immune cow, you know, no gets, you know? Yeah. He's like. <laughs> By the way, this is not T-Bone Taro's real voice. I'm just impersonating T-Bone Taro. So please don't get yeah, too excited. Yeah. If, if you're a deep fan of T-Bone Taro, this is a pale imitation. There, <laughs> We'll get T-Bone Taro. We'll get T-Bone back on the show. Uh, yeah. that's, that was fun. I don't yeah. know. How, anyway. All right. <laughs> After that little like, swerve off the tracks, please, everybody, you definitely take care. Uh, you know. I'm going to keep doing this and hopefully I'm sure Chris will be back on. Yeah. Thanks, man. We'll see you later. Yep. Thank you. Take care, everyone.